Acts chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer at the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask of alms of those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of your word tonight. Let our hearts be receptive to receive. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit for the next few Sundays. For the exception of next Sunday is Mother's Day. But the other two Sundays after that we'll talk about the Holy Spirit, His gifts, and His operation in the local church. One of the things that I've discovered, especially in this season that we're in, is that the Holy Spirit at times has had a bad rap uh, in churches. There's been a lot of abuses and misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. And uh, because there's been misunderstandings and abuses of the Holy Spirit, people have shied away from the Holy Spirit. They have shied away from his gifts and his operations in the local church. There are some churches now are secret sensitive because they're afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to move in the worship service because they certainly don't want to offend anyone. I do believe that instead of being seeker sensitive, and I think we do need to be sensitive to the seeker, I think there is, I think that, that could a point could be made for that. But I think the greater challenge for us is to be spirit-sensitive. Can I hear an amen? To be spirit-sensitive. And because we've had these abuses, and because we've had these things, and we've had charismatic chaos in local churches, our first response is that we want to back away from the Holy Spirit. We, cert we certainly want to back away from the speaking in tongues and all that stuff that we see in Pentecostal church services. Uh, Philip Jenkins writes a book called The Next Christendom. And Philip Jenkins, who's the author of this book, states, which I think is profound, he says, the Holy Spirit is the Cinderella of the 21st century. The Holy Spirit is the Cinderella of the 21st century. His point that he made was that in the fictional story of Cinderella, uh, Cinderella was in the story the whole time. But basically, in the story of Cinderella, she was ignored through the whole story. As a matter of fact, she was abused and ignored. Not much attention was based upon her. She was always there. But at the end of the story, Cinderella was, quote-unquote, glorified and noticed. Philip Jenkins makes the case that the 21st century that you and I live in, the Holy Spirit is the Cinderella. There's more attention being focused on the Holy Spirit than ever in church history. In church history, 
we've had a lot of fights about who Jesus is. We've had a lot of fights about the relationship between the Father and the Son. And now, especially at the turn of the 20th century, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Azusa Street, up until, uh, up until now, even Galena and Baxter Springs, there's a heritage of Pentecost. Now there is an emphasis placed upon the Holy Spirit. Now churches don't want to be called Pentecostal, but they, they like what we do, so now it's called contemporary services. You go to a 9 o'clock traditional, and now they'll put the drums in, and now they like the courses, and they like the lifting of hands. And so little by little, you see a shift in the global church. In Latin America, Pentecostalism is growing at such a fast rate that Catholic churches are converting to more of a contemporary style just to try to keep the people who are leaving the church. And so the Holy Spirit is a missionary. He is moving around the world. And so let us never think that people are not getting saved, and delivered, and healed because the Holy Spirit is truly moving around the world. There is not a coming revival that's going to happen. The revival, the Spirit was poured out on Acts chapter 2 2,000 years ago, and it is still being poured out, and it's whether it's left up to us whether to get in or get out. Can I hear an amen? So the Holy Spirit's got a bad rap, but I'm a firm believer that we should not throw the baby out with the bathwater. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. He goes on to say, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, and He dwells in you. I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. Jesus made it clear that the Spirit lives in us, and the Spirit walks with us. The Greek word for helper is paraclete. The Spirit walks with us throughout life. He is a helper. Jesus further said in John 16, verse 12, And I state, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear it now. However, when He, He, the Spirit is a person, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you of the things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. You see, the Bible also declares in Luke 3.16, John 3.16 is the salvation message to the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But Luke 3.16 is the baptism of the Spirit that we should receive after salvation. Luke 3.16, John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but someone mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to loose, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Can I hear an amen? Is there anybody that still believes in that endowment of power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He said, but you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me into Jerusalem, Judea, and the Samaria, and all the ends of the world. You see, Jesus is clearly laying a foundation to us that the Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit lives in us, and He walks with us. And the Holy Spirit always leads us into truth. 
and the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. Can I hear an amen? The Holy Spirit is not about himself. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus, draws people to Christ. He is a living person, the third person of the Trinity, who lives in us and walks with us. He is not a dove. He is not a cloud. He is not a fire. He is a person. He is likened unto fire. He is likened unto a cloud. He is likened unto a dove. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Come on, somebody. He is a person. And so in the book of Acts, you cannot read the book of Acts unless you see the Holy Spirit at work. Actually, the name of the book is called the Acts of the Apostles because it demonstrates to us the activity of the early church. If you want to know what the early church did and how they worship, how they function, this is the book that tells us the beginning of the church. And the beginning of the church was saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit. They did not do church without the Spirit. They did church with the Spirit. They didn't go to church. They were the church. Can I hear an amen? They operated in the gifts of the Spirit. They operated in the power of the Spirit because they knew that the church would never function properly without the Spirit of God working in and through them. Listen, the real power of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily evident in us speaking in tongues and falling on the floor, shouting and having music and all that stuff. That's all good. It's all fine. We, we like to express our emotions to the Lord and we like to be indecently and in order. That's all fine and good. But the real purpose of the Holy Spirit is that we would be a witness outside of these walls. We were not gifted with the Spirit so that we can sit in here, sing our songs, and listen to a sermon. But the purpose of the Spirit is that we would be witnesses not only in Galena and Joplin, but that we would be witnesses around the world. Somebody say amen. What is the purpose of the Spirit? The purpose of the Spirit is that you are endued, empowered to be a witness. That is the purpose of the Holy Ghost. And the Pentecostal church is based upon that notion that we should be witnesses unto the world. The Assemblies of God, which is the largest Pentecostal movement in the world, do you know that according to statistics, there is a church built every 14 minutes in the world across the seas? The Assemblies of God builds a church every 14 minutes across the seas. They're the largest missionary-giving Protestant organization in the world because they understand that the empowerment of the Spirit is not for us to have church services, but it is for us to proclaim the gospel around the world. That is why Jesus said, that is why Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But Jesus also said, you shall take up serpents. Come on, somebody. If you drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt you. What is the context of that? Jesus said, go through the world. And if you encounter danger, if you encounter serpents, pick them up and remove them because they're not going to hinder you. Don't be afraid. If you go into a foreign country and you begin to eat and drink things that you're not aware of, don't worry about it. The Spirit of God is inside of you. 
And I said, it's not for you to pick up, you know, you know, there's a sect of Pentecostalism that believes in handling snakes, you know, because the scripture says thou shalt take up serpents. No, no, no. The context is, is preaching the gospel. Come on, somebody. Not you drinking strychnine and carrying snakes around. The moment we convert to that is the moment I'm going Baptist. Y'all, y'all hear it. Can somebody wave your hand and say, I'm with you, Pastor is the moment we're changing the name on the door of the church and we're going Baptist because we ain't having any of that right there. Can I hear an amen? But that's the purpose of it. The purpose of it is that Jesus is given the context. If you're preaching the gospel and you encounter serpents, the Greek word is to remove. Take, up, take them up and remove them, not take them up and dance with them. Can I hear an amen? Take them up and remove them. If you should drink anything deadly, it's not going to hurt you. And there's a whole lot of, whole lot of thing that I could say if you drink anything deadly. Not go over there and tempt the Lord. You know, I'm just going to drink this. Can somebody say amen? Because in my years of pastoral ministry, I've met some crazy folk. I've met some fruits and I've met some nuts. Come on, somebody just wave your hand and say, you know, that is some, I have met them with you, Pastor. We've met people like that. We've met people who have tempted God. I've, I've, I could tell you stories that would make you blush, but it, it's, it, I'm preaching a sermon, so I'm just going to go on, okay? So that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is that we would be endued with power to be a witness. And the Holy Spirit, listen, is given to you so that you will engage in earthly realities. He's not given to you so you can just engage in spiritual things. He is with you and in you so that you can engage in everyday life. The Holy Spirit, did you get what happened? Acts 2, they were filled with the Spirit of God. They left the upper room and they began to speak the native tongues of those who came into the city. In other words, the Spirit, the Spirit was saying, I know you all felt my presence in the upper room, but you all need to get out of the upper room and go to the streets. Did you hear me? Go to the streets. So those 120 disciples left the upper room and went to the streets. Because that's the purpose of the Spirit, is for you to go to the streets. For you to go to the world. They engaged in earthly realities. They engaged with other people. They spoke their native language because the Holy Spirit is given to us for us to be engage the world, not for us to shut ourselves out from the world as if we're monks and nuns, but for us to be salt and light into the world. Acts chapter 1, I've said this this morning, but I think it's worth telling you again. Acts chapter 1, the Spirit said in verse number 4, Acts 1 verse number 4, Acts number 1 verse 4, and being assembled together with them, He commissioned them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard of Me. For John truly baptized you with water, with the Holy Spirit. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not too many days from here. You see, in reality, the book of Acts teaches three baptisms. Do you know that? The word baptism means to immerse. Okay, It means to come into. The first baptism is the baptism of salvation. I am immersed into the family of God. Then there is the baptism of water. It's kind of like an initiation rite. 
I am baptized in water in front of a community to demonstrate that I'm a part of this family. And then the third baptism is called the baptism of fire. Because anytime fire gets on you, you want to move. So, so, so did you get, the, you get the baptism? The baptism of salvation. I am brought into the family of God. I'm immersed into the family of God. Then there is the baptism of water to publicly demonstrate I'm a witness to this family. And then there is the baptism of fire for me to go and to tell about the family. Y'all with me? Fire, if I threw gasoline onto you tonight and lit you up, I promise you, you'd be moving real quick. Because that's what fire should do. Fire should propel us to go and to be a witness. Did you hear me? Fire should propel us to go and be a witness. I'm going to say that again. Fire should cause us to move and go be a witness. So there is the baptism of salvation, the baptism of water, and the baptism of fire. Say it with me. The baptism of salvation. The baptism of... And the baptism of... Say it again. Baptism of salvation. Baptism of... And the baptism of fire. So the very first thing you see in the book of Acts, you see preparation. He says, go to the upper room and wait for this thing. Wait for this promise I'm going to send you Wait for him. Verse number 4, Acts 1 verse 4, they being assembled with them, he commanded them not to depart. Wait for it. So the very first thing is preparation. Then Jesus says in verse number 8, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that you will be witnesses. So what is the purpose of it? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. So there is preparation. Wait for it. The purpose is to be a witness. Then Acts chapter number 2, verse 1. And on the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were one place and one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so they felt the presence of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit was there. So you have preparation. He told them to wait for it. Number two, you need to be a witness, he said. The purpose of this is that you would be a witness. Acts chapter 2, the presence of God came. And then Acts chapter 2, after the Spirit came, something happened. Because Acts chapter 2, verse 14, And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Acts 2, 14, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel L. Guess what was happening? He was proclaiming the Word of God. So this is what happens. Jesus said, you've got to wait for it. Jesus says the purpose of it is to be a witness. Then the presence of God showed up, and now Peter started to proclaim. There is proclamation of the Word. Not only was there proclamation of the Word, but after all of this, Acts 2 verse 40, and many other things were indeed, excuse me, and many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his Word was baptized. On that day 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is the church. That is what we call the product. 
the product. So you have preparation, you have the purpose, which is to be a witness. You have the presence of God in Acts chapter 2. You have Peter preaching, that's the proclamation. And now you have the product of it. And the product of the Holy Spirit is the church. And the last thing you see is the power of God. The power of God. And the power of God was being made manifested in Acts chapter 3. That is the power of God. And I believe that Acts chapter 3 gives us a clue of what it means to walk in the power of God. It really does. But you've got to read, you can't just read it, you've got to read it. You know what I'm saying? It gives us a clue of what it means to walk in the power of God. Some people think that if we're not speaking in tongues and prophesying, then the power of God is not flowing. And I'm going to say that because I know that hits a lot of, some people just think if we're not doing the power of God, we're, we just, you know, it's a dead church because if that's not happening. And ladies and gentlemen, if you think that, your mind is very narrow concerning the Scriptures. The power of God is more. Now, do we believe in speaking in tongues? Yes. Do we believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Yes. Do we want it to be operative in our services? Yes. But the Holy Spirit is more than that. Can I hear an amen? And Acts chapter 3 demonstrates to us the power of the Holy Spirit. The very first thing I said this morning about the lame man, the lame here, now I want to bring a few things out I didn't bring out this morning, but the Bible says that this man is lame, right? Verse number 2, Acts 3, verse 2, And a certain lame man was carried from his mother's womb, which they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So this man is lame. Am I right? He can't walk. He's dependent on other people. And I would say that he has a pre-existing condition, which means that he was born with it. Okay? Nobody gave this to him. He didn't come down with sickness. He was born this way. In other words, he was dependent upon somebody to help him. He was born this way. He's asking for alms. He's poor. So this man is lame. He can't walk. He's dependent upon someone. He has a pre-existing condition. He, he's, he's like the man on the street asking for alms, you know. But, you know, in our day and age, we would call him lazy. We would call him a drug addict, and we would tell him to get a job. That's what we would say nowadays. Get a job, quit, 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 you know, quit acting this way. And, you know, and this story really came alive to me when I was in Rome two years ago. When I went to the Republic of Georgia, I flew over and went to the Vatican, and I had never in my, this, this is what really came alive to me, because I would go into cathedrals and take pictures of all these churches, and outside of these churches, was lame people asking for alms. And it just, it just really did a number on me. Here I'm in the world's largest church, the Roman Catholic Church is the world's largest church, over a billion people, they claim. And this is, the, this is their, their headquarters, and here's all these lame people outside of these cathedrals. And some of them were bent over, had, they had their arms wrapped up, just begging at the, when you walk out of the church. And it instantly took me to Acts chapter number 3, and this is what's happening here. Here's this lame man who's dependent upon somebody who, who is poor, can't help himself, has a pre-existing condition, and sometimes if we're not careful, we want to dismiss this man very quickly. But I want to, I want to tell you something, that he didn't choose to be born this way. He was born in a situation that declared him to be lame. And I want to say this. Now, why, why am I making a case for this? 
Because it's important that you get this. Not everyone who is down is down because of their own bad decisions. Boy. Did you all just hear what I just said? Not everybody who is down on their luck is down on their luck because of their own bad decision. Some people have been born in good situations. Some people have been born in good environments. Some people have been born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Some people, their daddy paid for their way to go to college. Some people was raised right. But then there are other people that's been born in unfortunate situations that they could not help. Not everybody who is down is down because of their own bad decisions. And if we look down on people all the time, sometimes you need to take in consideration the reason that they're down. And just because they're down doesn't mean they're dumb. And just because they're down doesn't mean they're ignorant. A lack of opportunity does not translate to a lack of intelligence. You hear me? A lack of opportunity does not translate to a lack of intelligence. This man was born lame. He was born in an unfortunate situation. He didn't choose this. And sometimes we dismiss those people as if they have a lack of intelligence. But a lack of opportunity does not translate to a lack of intelligence. This man was pretty smart because he positioned himself right at the beautiful gate. There was many gates you can get to the temple, and at the temple you did business and you did worship. This man was smart enough to know, if I'm going to sit anywhere, I'm going to sit at the beautiful gate, because at that gate people go to worship, and if anybody's going to help me, surely somebody who loves God could help me. So this man wasn't necessarily, had a lack of intelligence, he knew exactly what he was doing. If anyone is to help me, he was thinking, maybe this, somebody will help me. And the Bible says in Acts 3, verse number 1, this is the demonstration of the power of God. This is the demonstration. Now, I know some of you thinking, Pastor, you said a lot of this this morning. I'm aware of that. I'm telling you again. Because when you leave tonight, it's going to be right in you. Is that all right? So, now Peter and John went together. And what is the first thing they went? The first thing that's a clue to the power of God? They went together. It's interesting because John and Peter are two separate people. Two separate people who had two different ideas, and yet that they had enough Holy Spirit, they were willing to walk together. John was the beloved, and Peter had the keys to the kingdom of God, and yet they were willing to work together. Boy, I don't know if that would work today in the modern church. We would gloat if Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom, wouldn't we? We would gloat if we could lay our head on the breast of Jesus. But here these two people had enough of the Holy Spirit. They were willing to work together. And you know what? The Bible says in verse number 1, they went at the hour of prayer because it's hard to hate someone when you are going to pray with them. It's hard to hate someone when you are going to pray with them because prayer, to maintain our fellowship, we have to maintain our prayer life. They were walking together and they were going to pray together and that is the clue and that is the key 
to how we know the Spirit of God is working in a community of believers. That is the key, and that is the clue, and how we know the Spirit of God is working in Christ's point. When we have the ability where Peter can grab a hold of John, and John can grab a hold of Peter, and they can walk together in spite of their differences. You see, the first thing that we want to do is give up if somebody disagrees with us. As if you can disagree with someone without dishonoring them. And they walk together. And listen, church, if we're going to grow as a church and continue to be strong, we've got to realize the very first thing that we've got to do is that we've got to pray together. We've got to stay together and we've got to walk together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I was, I was praying the other day. I was praying for my family, Brother Yates, and I was rebuking the enemy. You know, I was rebuking the enemy. And I heard the Spirit say to me in the prayer room, He said, Son, the cross has already defeated the enemy. Just I heard it. The cross has already defeated the enemy. And you know what I started to do in the room? I started to say it out loud. The cross has defeated you. <laughs> the cross has defeated you. I, I stand victorious. I, I stand righteous because of the cross. That, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work binding the devil in your own strength. You, you, wear, you get worn out. And you know I got the victory that day in the prayer room because I thought, the, it's, you know, and I've heard that all my life. I heard that all my life growing up in church. But there's difference between hearing it and really getting it. Like, I, I got it that day. I just, like, the cross is against you. The cross has defeated you. The blood is against you. I don't need to plead the blood. The blood's already victorious. The blood's already against you. Hallelujah. And that is why we can take our rightful place, because we know what the cross has done. And you know what the Spirit said? The Spirit said this. He said, you don't need to claim victory. You need to run from victory. I was like, that don't make sense, but say that again. Run, victory was already accomplished 2,000 years ago. I'm running as a result of what happened 2,000 years ago. I'm not waiting for victory to happen. The victory's already here. The blood's already powerful. He's already defeated. I'm already victorious. You, you know what I'm saying? And so... You know, as I was praying, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because I was praying for my brother. You know, my, one of the difficult things, I'm not close to him, but he's still my flesh and blood, and I don't want nothing to happen. And I'm just being real tonight. And so I was struggling with it, and I was struggling with that, and I was struggling with some other things, and I was letting things, you know, bothering me that I shouldn't let bother me. And, you know, and I was trying to get victory over it, and I was just praying, and I was, and I was, and I was binding everything. You know, I bind so much that night, my binder broke. You know, I was binding. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord, I mean, I was like, Lord, I, I bind for hours here. <laughs> and the Lord just really said to me, He said, the cross has already defeated. And you know what? That took a lot of pressure off of me. The cross is stronger than meth. The cross is stronger than drugs. The cross is stronger than defeat. The cross is stronger than oppression. My God, do we believe it tonight? Hallelujah. It still works, don't it? 
So tonight when we pray, when we pray tonight, we're not twisting God's arm as if we're making God, please send the anointing, please give us this building, please, please. No, 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 no. We're already in covenant with God. We're His child. We're just simply giving our request to Him and we're not twisting His arm to make Him do it. I come to His throne with, with boldness knowing that I'm a child of God. I don't have to try to make God do anything. I give it to Him and let Him work it out. Hallelujah. And sometimes we, we can't figure everything out about prayer. You know, I, sometimes I, I, I go to bed with a headache because I'm trying to figure out everything. And I'm trying to work everything out. You just can't do that sometimes. You just got to leave it at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I give it to you and I know that you're going to do it. Hallelujah. And I want us to raise our hands. Well, I know I'm supposed to be preaching a sermon, but Peter and John walked together because they were praying together. That's how you know the Spirit of God is at work in this church. And you know what I desire so much? I desire so much for us to be the church that God has called. It's going to be a long road ahead of us. But ladies and gentlemen, if we continue to pray together and walk together in spite of our differences, the sky is the limit. You hear me? Lord, I thank you that the cross is still enough. Some of us has been worn out from praying so much and so discouraged. But tonight the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is the paraclete and the teacher, He is saying tonight, release your burden some of you are worn out in your, in your journey. Some of you are worn out in your prayer life. You're worn out. And the Spirit is saying tonight, be free. I've done it for you. Just be a child. What does a child do? A child has faith. That when he goes to his daddy, daddy's going to take care of it. And the Lord is saying, don't try to figure out how I'm going to do it or when I'm going to do it. Just be a child and rest in me. It's a word for someone tonight. We need to try to figure everything out. Now Lord, I thank you for your peace tonight. We give our kids to you, Lord. Give our marriage to you. Give our church to you. I was praying the other day. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I need to do this to make the church grow. I need to do this to make the church grow. And the Spirit said, Son, is this about you or is it about me? Because if you do it, you're going to get the glory. But when I do it, I'm going to get the glory. You see what I'm saying? Some of us need to let God get the glory. You're trying to work everything out. Let God get the glory for it. He knows how to work through our messes, don't He? He knows through it. Amen. Let's just wait a moment before we go on. Hallelujah. Amen. A church that prays together is a church that stays together. Finally, in closing, the Bible says in verse number, verse number, let's see, verse number four. And fixing his eyes on him, 
John and Peter said, look at us. Number one, how do I know the power of God is working in a church when we can walk together in spite of our differences and pray together? That's how we know the power of God is operative in our church services and in the community of faith. Number two, Peter and John said, look at us. Why did they say that? Because Peter and John says, we want you to see that we are looking at you. We want you to see that we are looking at you. That man was a lame man. That man was dependent on others. I'm sure he didn't have much self-esteem. And Peter and John was conveying the point, I want you to know that we are looking at you. How do I know the power of God is present in a community? It's present when we have the ability to see and discern through the eyes of the Spirit that we can see and discern through the eyes of the Spirit. That lame man is just not a lame man. He is a person. He is a human that has a soul. And if we're not careful, we can become so cold to the needs of people outside of the walls of this church and become cold to those who don't know Jesus that we don't see people for what they are worth. And ladies and gentlemen, they are worth the blood of Jesus. Do you hear me? How do I know that we are operating in the power of God when we have the ability to see and discern people for who they are? And they are a person. They deserve to be loved. And they deserve to be cared for. We should look at people through the eyes of Jesus. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and to see what Jesus sees. You see, Peter and John, the layman said, give me silver and gold. And he said... Silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now why didn't Peter and John give him silver and gold? Because Peter and John understood. Now the scripture says, because I don't have it to give. But I think there's a deeper meaning here. Peter and John was simply saying to this lame man that you've been sitting here for years and people have been giving you silver and gold and it hasn't been helping you. So I don't have any of that to give you. But I do have something that's more than silver and gold, and that is the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? People have been giving him silver and gold, but it did not help him. How many of us aid people and give to people that it's not helping them? We've got to know that we've got to answer the spiritual problems with spiritual things. He said, listen, I don't have silver and gold to give you, but such as I have, I give to you. Silver and gold is not going to change your circumstance. It's not going to make you better. It's not going to make you walk. It's not going to help you. But I do have the right solution. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And every time I say the name of Jesus, that puts strength in my legs. Somebody say amen. There's something about the name of Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And that man got up and he began to leap, walk, praise God. I mean, it went from a Baptist service to a Pentecostal service. He was leaping and praising God and walking and went into the temple leaping and praising God. And I, I can just see people in the temple saying, you know, it doesn't take all that. We're all educated. Some people have a lot of degrees behind their name. Looks like alphabet soup. I mean, they just have a lot of them. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I like degrees. I like education. Sometimes, 
we have a tendency to say, let's not act like that. That's, that's too, we're beyond that. And that's okay. But this man said that I was the one that was lame. Maybe you didn't have that problem, and that's okay. But I was the one that was lame for 40 years. I was the one that was laying there. I was the one that was sick. And it's my story. So therefore, it's my praise. Can I hear somebody say amen? And so he walked and leaped and praised God. I can just see that man saying, if you were lame like me, you'd probably praise God too. And then the last thing you see, not only how do you know the power of God is working, when you can walk together in spite of our differences, when we can pray together, when we can see and discern through the eyes of the Holy Spirit at people. And number three, the Bible says in verse number seven, and he took him by the right hand and lifted the man up. And immediately, feet and ankle bones received strength. Sometimes, don't, don't lose me because this is so important. Sometimes we read this story and we think that the miracle happened just because of the name of Jesus. And that is true. The name of Jesus is powerful. But man aided in the miracle. Right? That's what the Bible says, right? Peter and John took him by the hand and lifted him up, and then he started leaping and praising God. Jesus healed the man, but Peter and John helped him up. And if we're going to be the community that God has called us to be, then you have to understand that we've got to touch people where they're at. We've got to help people. It's not about having prayer lines. It's about that single mother out there. It's about that drug addict out there. It's about that businessman that's about to lose everything that he had. It's about us being the arms of Jesus and lifting people up. Peter and John said, I'm not just going to let you shout here. Before you shout, I'm going to lift you up. So this story teaches us that in the book of Acts, it starts with preparation, right? Right? Go wait for it. Then Jesus said, the Spirit's going to come because I already told you, John baptized you with water, but the Spirit shall come and you're going to get another baptism. It's called the baptism of fire. And the reason that you're going to receive this gift is that you can be a witness for it. And the presence of God showed up in Acts 2. And Peter began to proclaim the Word of God. And the church was the product of it. But then the power of God was manifested in chapter 3. And how do I know the power of God was manifested? Because it teaches us that when the power of God is at work, People know how to walk together in spite of their differences. They're praying together. They're looking through the eyes of Jesus. They're discerning and they're being the physical touch of God on earth. Helping people to be lifted up. Who have you lifted up? Who have you encouraged? Have you lifted anybody up lately? It takes zero talent to say something nice.
Zero. You don't, need, you don't even need a degree. Don't need no skill set. Don't need nothing. Absolutely zero talent to say something nice, to be encouraging. Have you lifted somebody up? You're a very walking message system. Amen. That's how you know the power of God is working in the church's life.